0: Enter the world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business, explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best, Fjord is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and mobile development team Fjorge, and today on our show, we'll be talking with Alan Adamson about his marketing and activation uh, agency Metaforce and adjunct professor at NYU Stern School of Business. Welcome to the show, Alan. Joe, thanks for inviting me. A pleasure to be here. All right. Um, the first thing that I always want to talk about um, is a little bit about your business, Metaphors. Uh, tell me about what it is and what your role is at the company.
1: Well, I uh, am the co-founder, which is a good place cause, uh, to start. We started it from scratch. And, and- the focus of Metaphors is to uh, sort of a special forces of marketing uh and we have two areas of focus one is helping clients identify what the right problem they need to solve not uh, not trying to do everything but trying to figure out what's the one or two things that are mission critical that they must uh, uh and then helping them you know activate those two strategies brilliantly because as everyone knows Average is over. If you do everything averagely, you're invisible. So many, many clients try to do a check the box mentality and do many things. So we try to help them figure out what's important and how do you get it done in a really breakthrough way.
0: Cool. Um, And obviously, you know, being a a founder, co-founder of a business like that, uh, you must have some background in that world. Uh, Will you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got to be and, and how metaphors began?
1: All right, I, I, um, I was lucky enough to start my career uh, in the world of consumer packaged goods, trying to convince people to use one soap versus the other. I worked at Unilever, which is a large consumer packaged goods company for many years in what's called brand management and worrying about many of their brands. And then I went over to the advertising side, uh, working at a couple of large agencies on Procter & Gamble's business in many, many categories. So the combination of Unilever uh, and P&G gave me a really good marketing background, because there's not, don't tell anybody, there's not that much difference between one soap and one packaged goods and the other. It, a lot of it is how you tell your story. And so that background allowed me to then broaden out. Uh, after that, I ran a company called Landor for many years. And Landor was a global brand consultancy, and um, and that was a good experience as well because we got to work in lots of categories. Clients came to Landor not when things were going well, <laughs> but when things were not going well and they didn't know what to do, they couldn't do what they did last year, and I got to work in everything from telecommunications to nonprofits to financial service to pharmaceuticals, and it really broadened down my expertise, and I could apply lots of what I learned in the early part of my career to the second half of my career, which was working across categories and many, sure. many uh, businesses.
0: Sure. Um, and tell me, is there some some moment in your career uh, that you were really proud of an experience, a um, cool factor, an interesting story about a client or anything like that? Do you have something in the back of your mind that uh, might come to light with that question?
1: I... I... Not, not immediately. I mean, the, the, it sort of it may not be cool today anymore, given what's going on in the world, but uh, after uh, the tragedies of nine eleven, uh we were, I had the opportunity of uh, working with the current administration at that time to establish the Department of Homeland Security uh, and then defining what that department would be about and then uh, rebranding the border and custom uh, patrol and... Uh, integrating with the FBI and uh, other security forces. So it was creating a new government agency, which hadn't been created in many, many years, I think since the Department of Energy or something back in the 60s. Wow! So working uh, in Washington at that time of change to help uh, f- forge a new uh, organization to better protect the country, uh, was uh, I had never done that before, and it was a really fascinating experience.
0: Got it, got it. No, I think that's really cool. And for us who don't think about marketing day in and day out, it's hard to imagine that Homeland Security needed branding. Didn't right? even exist before. Right.
1: Uh, uh, this, you know, they tried to bring back many, integrate many agencies to create something that would be able to better protect uh, airports and our borders.
0: Right. Right. So, um, moving on to to Metaforce and and the work that you guys do. What are some of the things that you and your team do um, that really help your clients. So, what what are some things that our our listeners can learn from what you guys do about how to do your work effectively?
1: And I think the most important thing we can, we do is we try to look at what the challenge is: why a company is not growing, why they're struggling, or why their growth is not. Uh, uh, as good as it should be through what we call you know, an agnostic lens. We don't have a solution in mind. Often if you go to an ad agency uh, and you ask them what the problem is, they'll say you need better advertising. Uh, if you go to a PR firm, they say, well, you need PR. If you go to a digital firm, then we need to do your... So we try to uh, look at a problem because our partners each have different backgrounds sure. uh, through multiple lenses to say, all right, you know, forgetting how we activate it—whether it's advertising or digital or social or influencers—there are a hundred ways to to bring a brand to life. Let's leave that aside, but let's figure out what you know what what should be the focus. What's a, what's a precise thing they need to do to grow their business, without trying to sell them the solution right away. And right. once we identify what the levers for growth are, uh, then we pivot and bring in an activation team that's really. Great, not, you know, one of the challenges I had when I was uh, running Landor, which was part of WPP, which was a large agency holding company, was if you went around and said, Who's the ex- who does great uh, social media, everyone's hand came up. Who, who does great advertising, everyone's hand came up. So everyone tried to do everything, and as, everyone, as most people know, yeah, you can try to do everything, but you're not gonna be great at everything. And the trick is to find, um, once you determine you need social media support, you know, who is the best people to do that? Who's the best team? Who's the best agency? Who's the best resource? Not who can also do the work, but who's potentially the best because only the best breaks through.
0: Yeah. That's great that you guys kind of, uh, and we do this too, uh, with, since we build a lot of tech, technology properties, mm-hmm. um, web properties, applications, those sorts of things. We always, people come to us and say, well, what, what, what technology should we use? And we say, well, you know, we don't wanna just, uh, we wanna analyze and understand what your needs, your future state and all of those things are in order to make a technology recommendation, right? right? Um, and it's the same kind of approach from a technology It's like if you're building a
1: house, you know, yeah, yeah. do you want to spend all your money on the kitchen or on the family room? Or in, You know, partly is understanding what you want to do and then getting the best subcontractors to do it great. Uh, but understanding getting the right blueprint, blueprint and the right plan, um, lots of agencies struggle to do that because there's so much pressure to sell what they make.
0: Right. And, and talk to me a little bit about um, how you how are you um approaching that with a client where they don't know the the thing that you're going to do when you start your engagement um how do you build that trust and kind of help them engage right away without knowing the answer
1: yeah well i think partly of not going in there with any preconceived notion of what they need to do but going in with a fresh perspective uh, looking at the problem through different lenses so we we don't bring in just a digital expert and a but advertising person and you know we bring in people that have those experiences but they're looking at the problem through multiple lenses the best solutions uh happen when you zoom out often clients are so close to the problem that they oh we did this last year we just need to do it better uh well maybe not let's zoom out a bit and say you know what 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 might you do and then once we figure out what might they do and then agree on what they need to do
0: then only then do you say well here are three ways to make that happen got it got it and you said in in talking with you you said kind of average is over you can't just find the average or kind of the the average what do you when you say the average is over what do you mean by
1: that I mean you go to many clients as you undoubtedly know and they say well we have a website we do some social media you look at it and it's all very nice and their social media and their influencer campaign and their but it's it's nice it's 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 forgettable. It's average. <laughs> and no one passes on in the world of word of mouth it being a very important uh, driver of marketing success. No one shares ordinary. No one says, I took a flight from New York to LA and the plane got there on time and didn't lose my baggage. They either say, I took a flight to New York to LA People start doing that again, and it was an extraordinary. You know, I had a great seat, and they were so nice to me, and they fixed my computer. And or, or the, the opposite, opposite. You know, the, the pilot got lost and landed in Cleveland. Um, oh, but but you know, businesses like that too. So even if your website looks nice and professional, and you've you know are, are doing some social and a little bit of digital and a little bit of advertising, if it's not extraordinary, if it's not really really strong, um, it's invisible. And if it's invisible. It you know that's average. Average today is invisible. Only you watch a Super Bowl. There are twenty-five or thirty advertisers on the Super Bowl, um, and you ask people which advertising do you remember? They don't remember thirty-five commercials or fifty commercials. They remember five or six, maybe eight right. of the ones that really wow, wowed them. Uh, but you need to wow your customers in everything you do, not just once in a while.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I like that, and I think maybe this is, I highlighted this from our, our notes in preparation for this, but one of your quotes was, only the paranoid survive. Um, expand on that, because I think this is kind of where you're going here.
1: Yeah, yeah. First of all, the quote was from uh, a very famous quote from uh, Andy Grove, who was a former... Um, uh, chairman of Intel and he was always worried about somebody coming up with a faster chip and it it relates to many many clients once they figure out how to do something get very complacent they just oh, this is what we did last year we'll just keep on doing it people are reluctant to to change It, it worked good enough last year and but good enough isn't good enough anymore and you know if you're not always worried about your competitor eating your lunch when you speak to company founders they still want to listen to customers talk they still want to make sure are you happy uh, there's this passion that uh, when you get big and the leadership team is behind closed doors looking at issues and in meetings day to day and no longer walking the aisles of the supermarket or talking to customers that's when companies get complacent and that's when they get zapped so mm-hmm. that's sort of where the only the paranoid coming from Intel Intel had the fastest chip but uh, he knew that the fastest chip was just the fastest today, (laughs) but tomorrow there'd be three more faster chips. And if he wasn't worried about tomorrow, uh, their game would be over.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it kind of makes you go, oh yeah, well I have to look into whatever my role is or my business is. I have to look into like what's around the corner in order to survive. you got to be investigatory, curiosity, curious, all of those sorts of things in order to, to figure out how to stay competitive, right?
1: Yeah, you have to be a bit paranoid and very impatient saying, oh, we got to get better. You got to believe that somebody is you know, right on your tail and about to pass you. And if you don't have that attitude, well, you can be sure somebody will pass you.
0: Yep, yep. Um, before we dive into a little bit uh, of, I, I know I, I've talked about your book and those sorts of things, but I have one more question before we dive in there. What what are the because you have a, a little different approach than a ch- typical uh, marketing agency or team or advertiser? What are the what do you feel are the common myths or misconceptions about work in your in your field and what you guys are doing?
1: I, I think the misconception if you do you need to do everything you know oh we need to do a website we need to do the, there's always a um, it's it's hard for clients to say I want to make three bets it's easier for them to make. Five average bets and two big bets, mm. <laughs> but you know, yeah. it, it, typically you need to make a big bet to break through and do well. You, know, I, this is a far out example, but uh, when Apple did the Apple stores and the Genius Bar, no one else had a Genius Bar, and it wasn't. It was a huge bet to set that up. But that you know, if you look at what's propelled Apple over the past twelve or fifteen years, many many things, not just one, but. Um, the fact that you can go in and talk to Apple and hand them your phone uh, and have them fix it uh, around the corner um, is something that's phenomenally differentiating in a world that most people can't tell the difference between a 6-inch Apple screen and a 6-inch LG screen and a 6-inch Samsung screen.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point um, and an excellent example. Um, but it's it's also... Uh, so. As I get into, I want to talk about your book, which is called Shift Ahead. Um, And I think it's really relevant for those of you listening right now. It is June 8th, 2020. If you're not listening to this uh, the week it comes out, we are about uh, 10 or 12 weeks into a lot of stay-at-home orders and sh- rapidly changing environments, and so I thought this would be a great chance to talk about your book um, because I think it really relates. Do you want to give us an overview of why uh, of the book and and why you chose to write that?
1: Yeah, it was it was driven uh, a couple of years ago. It, you know, many many of our clients and my clients um, were looking to marketing to fix. Bigger problems, you know. i saying, let's do some advertising. Let's ch- change our website. But th- the problem wasn't that the marketing wasn't working; that they, their business had become irrelevant. They've that what they offer, their promise, their value proposition. And so, I'm saying, why are so many companies struggling to to keep their company relevant, to keep their offer relevant? And part of it was, it was it just me or was it, were more and more companies? And yes, in technology, as we talked about earlier, you could have the fastest phone today and tomorrow you'll have the slowest phone. Uh, but we found it happening in other categories, too, that we're less driven by technology. I mean, why are companies so, have so much trouble shifting ahead, moving to tomorrow? And um, as it turned out, uh, we did lots of research, spoke to big companies, small companies, uh, many industries, profit. Uh, for-profit and non-profit and there was not just one reason there were many reasons it was easy as oh I know all I need to do is set up a a, a future planning meeting on Thursday uh, then everything will be good as you if you talk to many people in companies the the, the only meeting that gets cancelled if you say we're going to discuss the future on Thursday at 4 o'clock you can be sure Thursday at 3 o'clock you'll get a note saying the meeting has been pushed off because there's there's an immediate problem in shipping products to to Toledo so um, so Many, many factors caused companies uh, to not uh, jump ahead, shift ahead. Probably the leading one was what we called Marty Crane's chair. It was from the old Fraser show. And the realization that people are, humans are creatures of habit. They are more comfortable doing what they did yesterday than changing for tomorrow. And that's true in business today. Most companies go in and they say, "All right, what are we going to do?" I'm checking my emails this morning. We'll have a status meeting. You know, they get into the ro- into the into the routine, and they're just more comfortable doing what they did last year. What did we do last quarter? Let's do that same promotion. And we'll just add five cents to it, or uh, and they're just not comfortable with the new they're more comfortable with the familiar that was the easiest one but then there are many other reasons and so shifting ahead is not just simply saying oh we're going to stay relevant everyone says oh we change every day but most companies struggle to change
0: yeah i love it so how would you know if i'm if i'm at an organization um and I'm thinking about this, and I'm reading your book. What are the like? What are the first steps in order to do this? Is it to meet about it, think about it? What What would you recommend uh, somebody do if they're worried that, uh, or not worried, but they see this as an opportunity?
1: Yeah, one is to get out of the conference room and look around. Sure. And you know, most of the best uh, research is just observational and talking to customers. And um, uh, so, so some of it's easy, which is. Uh, not spending day to- day in meetings and on conference calls, but actually going out and being a good observer of people and how they behave and asking tough questions of your customers. Are you really happy? You know are you extraordinarily happy or are you just moderately happy? Uh, you know another very common one we found is most people uh, play too much tennis and not enough golf. And what do I mean by that? When I was uh, working uh, at p and g with p and G, they were totally focused on what Colgate, and Unilever was doing. Uh, Pepsi was focused on what Coke was doing. Everyone was looking at their direct competitor and watching them intensely, just staring at their direct competitor. And as most people know, disruption never, often doesn't happen from a direct competitor. Same in tennis. When you're playing tennis, you're just totally focused on the person or per, two people across the net, and your job is to hit it where they're not. So you're just watching your competitors intensely. In golf, I play that badly too. You know, yes, you can watch the person next to you. But you'll play better, or I'm told, <laughs> if you don't you know, focus on the person next to you and what they're doing, but f- focus on your stroke, the ball, the wind, <laughs> where you're trying to hit it. And so the same in business. Too many companies are just so laser focused on the donut shop across the street and just copying them, thinking they must know something we don't, or just thinking that if they just beat the donut shop across the street, they're gonna win. Uh, and yet to shift ahead, you often need to look outside P&G did not, Gillette did not get beat by Schick razors. Pepsi is not losing share to Coke. They're usually losing it to fruits and fruit juices and healthier drinks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, zoom out and don't be so fixated on the person right in front of your nose because that person may not be the one that's going to beat you.
0: Right. And if you want to have that that innovative idea, it's not going to be from something that already happened, Right. right.
1: Stop worrying about, yes, you have to pay attention, you have to be competitive every day, but you know, don't just look you know zoom out, look at something more than what the people who are directly competitive with you do, because you'll see the change or the opportunity
0: faster um, ahead of it. No, I love it, I love it. Um, what uh What do you think specifically right now? what are some things that you've heard or seen in the world that or organizations or industries that are going to absolutely have to change um to stay competitive with uh covid19 happening right now
1: yeah almost every eight industry is going to have to change somewhat you know mm-hmm. the, the you know the, the the trick is lots of the other challenge um, Companies face when they when they know they have to change. Actually, there's nothing that causes change faster than uh, disruption. You know, adversity is a mother of invention. So, you know, while most companies in normal times will look at future planning and they'll research it. A famous case of Toys R Us, we talked to. They knew that they had to either become cheaper and beat Amazon, or become higher end and beat. A high-end toy store, but they they couldn't decide. They tested both. They, it was the analysis paralysis mode. They were because both were risky, and they were, you know, couldn't make a decision. So, but in today's environment, you know, you know things are going to have to change. You can study it forever, uh, mm-hmm. but part of it is getting out and trying it, because ultimately a key driver of success, two drivers of success for companies that successfully shifted ahead. One was seizing it, seeing it soon enough and jumping on it, not studying it and analyzing it and talking about it. Uh, and two, perfecting the execution of it. You know, just because you want to do something doesn't mean you're going to do it well. Uh, and so many, many companies try new products, they just don't have the, the skill set, they don't have the human capital, the, the, the right culture, and they fail. Uh, and you should, you know, if you're going to shift and shift fast, try it, but get out there with a test-and-learn approach, not we studied it for six months, and now we've launched it, and if it doesn't work, we'll analyze it some more. I think in this environment, if, if you need to change, now is the time to do it, don't wait until you're the last one to change, because sure. if you're the last one in any category, uh, you are a footnote. So, uh, and then go out there with the notion that uh, your first or second try may not be uh, right, but keep on trying to perfect it, because at the end of the day, execution is gonna separate the winners from losers.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, And Alan, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, That's all the time we have for today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Uh, You can find Alan Adamson at Metaforce.co and ShiftAheadBook.com, which I also found on Amazon. you can download episodes of our program by going to slash mind your own marketing business or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Thanks again for joining us, Alan. My pleasure. Enjoy it.